here's a message from Ken Lavica. I've had an awful lot of bad weekends in my life, most of them self-inflicted. I'll admit that. But this weekend, this weekend for a variety of reasons, topped it. And I, uh, I need to tell you about it. Coquel, hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. No, no, no. Stick around. Hang out with us. Cool. Yeah, we'll stay and hang around with you. Stream the show on the free ESPN app or on your Alexa, Google, or Siri smart speaker. Turn it up! Turn it up! Spin your lunch with Ken by calling 888-760-3776. Are you crying? Oh, my Lord. I am sorry, honey. Please don't. Could you get your daddy on the phone? Don't hang up, please. I- From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Right, so you may know where I'm going off of that. We are in on this Monday on ESPN 106.3, the free ESPN app, or on your smart speaker. Hey, Alexa, hey, Siri, hey, Google Play, ESPN 106.3. Originating from the ESPN West Palm and a John Levine Accident Attorney Studios from the Phillips Point Towers in downtown West Palm, right off the sparkling but gray today intracoastal. I'm Ken Levicka. He's Chris Coquel, and if you want to talk to us, it's open for you. 888. 888- 760-3776-888-760-ESPN. Tweet at our show at ESPN West Palm. And Ken LaVica Live presented by the illustrious FAU MBA Sport Management Program. It is elite. It has spent 21 years preparing students for jobs in the sports industry. Find out more at FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. My good friend, Dr. Jim Reardon, making futures, making careers, making dreams happen at the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. FAU.edu edu slash mba sport uh so I, I do want to make sure that we touch on hideki matsuyama winning the masters that's a great story and especially the social media that's come out this morning with him just flying commercial back to japan with the green jacket uh flung over seats at atlanta hartsfield jackson airport uh, i want to get to the fact that have we seen the last of victor oladipo in a heat uniform after like four games uh also major league baseball if you're not going to use replay the right way just get the hell rid of it uh, and uh, oh, a really really memorable last two days with Wrestlemania Brian McLovin and Rhodes is going to hang out with us to uh, to uh, discuss that and review what happened in Tampa over the weekend um, but Coquel I have the last three days I have gone through literal hell on earth and I, I I'm I suppose I'm using a bit of hyperbole because things always could and can be worse. I want to acknowledge that. Um, but Coquel, you're a parent. Uh, you have two young children. You have a family. You live in a home, and you understand. Uh, I think how when things go badly, especially from a health standpoint, they can really, really snowball, and there's nothing fun about that. And it feels like you're in the middle of a never-ending hellscape. Like you, you kind of know what I'm talking about, just vaguely, like that, right? Yeah. There's nothing worse than when your kids are sick because it's gross. Like you, yeah. I guess you kind of feel bad for them too, 
But I really feel bad for myself in that situation. Yeah, it's yeah. Disgusting. And that's sort of the uh, the delicate line I'm towing right now because I have two young children, four and three at home, that have spent the entire weekend, one of them uh, with grossness um, from a, a vomiting perspective and uh, from the other end, and then one of them from that same end that I just mentioned, uh, and it's been all weekend. It's been legitimately all weekend. My house right now smells like bleach and uh, aerosol cans, and uh, there has been rushing to the washing machine, rushing carrying kids into bathrooms. But um, I want to make sure, too, that I get this out of the way before I I fully describe in chronological order what transpired this weekend, um, that... This, for me, started Friday as I was driving home from the office, Coquel, because around 4 o'clock on Friday, I was like, man, I feel a little off. My stomach kind of hurts, but I'll be fine. No big deal. Um, I don't know if anybody has attempted to do this, has successfully done this, has gone through this, and I suppose I'm looking for some sort of acknowledgement that I'm not the only one that this has ever happened to. Um, so feel free to get ready at 888-760-3776, 888-760-ESPN, 888-760-3776. I, for the first time in my life, uh, in my life um, ended up, uh, throwing up while driving, while going 65 miles an hour down I-95 right off of Atlantic Avenue in uh, in Delray. Uh, that was me driving home Coquel on Friday, attempting to, to throw up in a plastic bag from Walgreens while driving because there was no place to pull over and the wave of nausea hit and that was it. I was in it. Uh, so trying to do this while driving at 65 miles an hour and spoiler alert, it went unbelievably poorly for me and that set the tone for the rest of my weekend. It was hideous. It was nightmarish. It was like a, a Dante's new circle of hell experience that I suffered. So not only did that happen, which resulted in me pulling over at Atlantic High School in Delray, trying to clean myself off, trying to clean the inside of my wife's car, which I was driving on Friday, and it was just a, 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 a traumatic experience through and through. I get home. My oldest daughter, I finally get home. I mean, it was a, a complete grind where I wasn't sure I was going to make it. And I was fighting nausea the entire time. I'm like, what is going on? And your mind goes to COVID right away because that's a, a symptom. Like everything else is a symptom of COVID. So wondering if I've been struck and then what happens because I was at the office that day as well. Uh, I get home on Friday and my four-year-old says, hi, dad. And 20 minutes later, all over the floor that whole thing starts my three-year-old the last two nights has completely destroyed her bed my father-in-law who is in here helping to take care of my wife who went through a major surgery a week and a half ago he ended up coming down with this stomach flu this bug and it went quickly and it hit hard and it has been like you were saying Coquel, when your kids get sick you feel bad for the kids but I can't tell you and I feel sort of guilty about it How many times this weekend I have felt sorry for me? Because by about 3 a.m., 4 a.m. on Saturday morning, I still felt like crap, but I was over it. I had a slight fever. It was broken. It was gone. There was no more vomiting that was going to happen. I was really majorly in the clear. But my kids, 
No such luck. So I have spent the weekend cleaning gross things, seeing unspeakably terrible things uh, my, my kids involuntarily doing in my home, um, scrubbing and mopping. And uh, even last night, uh, my youngest daughter goes to bed for 30 minutes bed destroyed clean that up and i'm 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 just yelling at my wife because i'm not yelling at her but i'm in despair i'm like this is not going to end i can't i i i I, coquel i said multiple times like pleading to the gods i can't do this i can't do this i can't do this i can't do this it it is the most helpless the worst the most terrible the stinkiest the grossest the most liquid filled weekend i've ever had and i wouldn't wish it on anybody absolutely nobody and i guess what i'm doing here is this is therapy because I don't know how else to convey how how badly I feel. Like, I feel like I failed parenting. I feel like I failed my wife because <laughs> I, I made her automobile just a completely disgusting mess. Um, I, I don't know how to help my kids. There's nothing you can really do. I took my oldest to the, do- uh, to the doctor. They gave her a couple of pills to help nausea. But when it, your kids basically have to just work it out, and I'm already squeamish as it is about everything. Like, I failed. I legit feel like I failed, and I don't really know where to go from here because this has truly been, and again, it could always be worse. It could always, always, always be worse, and I acknowledge that. But I failed in a massive way, in a multitude of ways this weekend. Kids still aren't 100% right. I'm still sort of getting there, and uh, Coquel, again, I suppose... I'm just looking for some sort of guidance. Like, I need help from people because I do not know where to go from here because I am just so face-planted and demoralized by this weekend. I'm not going to lie. You know how you said that you would never wish it upon anyone? Yeah. I wished it upon you on Friday. <laughs> during, <laughs> well, the, during the pimento cheese yeah. sandwich, I said to myself, even if I don't vomit, I hope Ken does. And I, and can we be completely honest? Like, are we close enough where we can get through where we do weird things to each other? Yeah. I also wished it on your kids. Sorry. <laughs> well, that might have been a step too far. Oh. Uh, but well played. I mean, you definitely got the job done. So you voodoo-dolled me. And that is the the sick irony. Sort of the, the funny, I suppose, one day in retrospect. But the sick irony of this whole thing is that I was, and I listened back to, um, I listened back to, to what we did during our hour on Friday. And I was at times taking too much glee in the fact that you were really struggling to digest the pimento cheese that I had requested you eat 16 full ounces of in honor of Friday at the Masters because you had never had it before and you thought you were going to like it. I thought that that probably wasn't going to be the case, and I was right. But I was was taking a bit too much joy in the fact that you were sort of heaving and struggling and having issues. And then for... Like, not a day later, but like a matter of hours later, for me to have a complete body explosion, there's some sort of karmic justice in that, right? Yeah, it's amazing. It, honestly, like, I've said a lot of prayers, and I don't want to be too, like, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual, and this prayer came true. <laughs> like, it's about time, big guy. You know, you've, you've let me down a lot. You finally came through. Maybe uh, we can work things out. I'll see you at church. Well, I've learned a lesson about the whole thing, but I have I have never in my life Never in my life been in a position where I I have had to, on a major American freeway, um, 65 miles an hour, in a a bag while driving, 
uh, trying to do this as safely as possible, but you're, you're in such a bad situation. I couldn't pull over because there was no exit. There was no way to do it. I was in a middle lane. I, I, was, I, was, I was exiting things from my body um, while going 65 miles an hour on I-95 in South Florida in a plastic bag. Like, I, I can't think of anything. Why didn't you pull over? Okay, so it's because the the nausea, you know, like when you kind of feel it, but you feel like I can fight this off. But then that wave comes and it's only a matter of time. The, the time between that wave of things happening and the time when it was go time was so quick that I didn't have I didn't have time and I didn't have the wherewithal to start moving into a further right lane and finding a place on the shoulder. Like I wasn't going to make an exit, and I realized timing wise I wasn't going to make the shoulder. And while I was in the act, it probably wouldn't have been a good idea to me. Like it'd be checking blind spots and checking rearview mirror to see if I can get over. And so that's why it it took place like that. But I'm just wondering. Because I feel alone in this. I, I truly do feel alone, and I feel guilty. Um, because you're right, I should have made a better attempt to get over. But in that spot, this seemed like the best possible scenario. And my body was telling me one thing that I could not, I, I could not push back on. Has anybody ever been through this before? Like driving, the the sickness suddenly comes, and you've just got to deal with it in that situation. Eight 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 seven six zero three seven seven six eight 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 seven six zero ESPN. Because I. This is a first for me. That was a first. I never, ever, 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 ever want it to happen again. Um, I I cannot get the feeling out of my head. Uh, the visuals are, are not good. Hopefully someday um, those disappear. But has anybody ever been in that situation before? And also, when your whole house has a stomach bug, especially when you have kids, like what do you do? How do you overcome that? How do you make that manageable? Because this weekend, Coquel was not manageable. This weekend showed every single weakness I have as a father, as a man, as a human being to a point where I'm not sure my wife, because I'm the, right now I'm the primary in-house caretaker because she's still laid up from the surgery. Um, I, I absolutely had all my weaknesses exposed and I'm not sure my wife is ever going to look at me the same again. I was already off to a rough start, um, but not sure she's ever going to 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 be able to look at me the same way again. And guess what yesterday was to Coquel? What's that? Yesterday was my wife and my sixth wedding anniversary. Mm. So we spent Sunday, our, our sixth wedding anniversary, with her laid up in a recliner all day and me disinfecting floors and bathrooms and wiping children um, and trying to make sure that um, they didn't ruin furniture. That's legitimately, legitimately how my weekend went. But has anybody been in a situation, how do you overcome your whole family, your house being infested with a stomach bug, with the stomach flu, with a norovirus or a rotavirus, whatever it might be, and yes, I've been Googling those things, and that's why I'm able to use those words uh, in the proper context, or has anybody been driving, especially, especially on an expressway and the sickness comes and you just got to go with it and do it because that happened to me for the first time this weekend and it was completely demoralizing 888-760-3776 888-760-ESPN this is the realest life thing Coquel we may ever talk about but the thing I want to know is did you do what I do because the biggest thing when when a bug passes through my house I don't even care about people finding feeling better I do turn into a detective, and I want to find out who patient zero is. Yeah, and I want well, to shame. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So the, when we come back, 
I am going to explain to you how I treated patient zero. I know who patient zero is. Mm. And patient zero, for a while, received some pretty unfair treatment from me over the weekend. It is an illness edition. I am in Tamarack, Florida. I am at the Lavica residence. Coquel is at the studios, the Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios in West Palm Beach. So that's why we're originating from there, but we're not all present today. Ken Lavica Live is brought to you by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Dr. Jim Reardon, 21 years of making sure that his students get the chance, get the shot, get into the sports industry. I've seen so many success stories. I have known so many of them. I know so many of them. Where whether it's the Palm Beach County Sports Commission, whether it is big-time college athletics, whether it's the pros. These students with the FAU MBA Sport Management Program get jobs in these fields. ESPN, Monday Night Football, it's because they learn from those who work in the sports industry, whether it's agents, whether it's people in marketing, whether it is someone in front offices. Dr. Jim Reardon has influences from all across the board, and he teaches them firsthand. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. Find out information on summer semester courses, the virtual courses, fall semester in the brand-new Schmidt Center Complex, beautiful business building on FAU's campus, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. Who was patient zero in my weekend? How did I treat her? We're going to talk about that next. And again, also, I need some sort of support. Has anybody been through what I went through where uh, full speed sickness while driving home from work on Friday and then an entire house gets a stomach flu? I don't know how to go from here. We're not out of the woods yet. 888-760-3776. He's Coquel. I'm Ken Lavica. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. Spin your lunch with Ken by calling 888-760-3776. It's Ken Lavica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Here's Ken Lavica and Chris Coquel. Justin. A horrific weekend for me, full of illness and sickness and things coming out of bodies and families laid up and just terrible. Uh, Just, just absolutely horrific. And I know who patient zero is and she felt my wrath uh, all weekend because I am... uh, I, I, I may be just an absolutely terrible father. Uh, Ken Levick alive with Coquel here on ESPN 1063 888-760-3776, 888-760-ESPN. Uh, in just a moment, uh, I'm going to uh, just just completely obliterate Major League Baseball. Like, if you're going to have replay, like, why don't you actually find people that know how to, to use their eyes and, and actually look at something, and use replay the right way. Um, Because last night, national television, Phillies Braves, that ain't it. We are streaming on all of your smart speakers. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Siri. Hey, Google Play, ESPN 106.3. And we're a podcasting uh, just a couple of minutes after every show once we conclude at 1 o'clock. Wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to the Ken Levick Alive featuring Coquel podcast. All you have to do is subscribe to it and rate it. Um, Coquel, I, I do love the fact, though, that you bring up that when your family gets sick, you, you go on uh, like a contact tracing expedition throughout your home to find out who brought it in. And not because it really matters, but because you're petty like that and you always need someone to blame and 
I'm not going to judge because I'm the exact same way. Like, that is legit the first thing I do to throw blame at someone to understand how I got sick so I can eventually use it down the road. Like, that's so perfect of you. My wife had a bad cough and was really sick all through January. And for, like, three months, I blamed her for the pandemic. (laughs) Way to go. Way to go. You spread this across the globe. Uh, And at some point, it just gets old. But... Um, with my with this stomach whatever it is uh, this this stomach pandemic that went through my house this weekend and, and continues here uh, at twelve twenty five Eastern time on this Monday, um, it was my my three year old uh, my three year old uh, my little cute blonde haired big blue eyed three year old um, she is the one who started to have some stomach rumbling late last week. You don't think much of it because you've been through it, Coquel. It's a toddler. Like, the weird things happen with them all the time. But she was the one who got her sister sick. She was the one who got me sick. And I'll, I'll be honest, um, all Saturday, I sort of side-eyed her. And I would also make comments and she's too young to understand this or take any sort of uh cues about my pettiness from this but i'd be like oh aliana things are good things are we're gonna get through this even though you got everybody sick we're gonna be okay you're the one who got everyone sick but i'm glad you feel good like i i absolutely said that multiple times and looking back not great form on my part from a dad standpoint no and but- that is a, that awkward moment though and when they get old enough and you think they still don't understand and they give you that look like you know they're cursing him out, but in kid talk, yeah, yeah, cursing yeah. you out. Exactly, exactly. But also, too, like she was patient zero, but she got the least of any of the illness. So all weekend she's just been la, 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 watching TV because we can't do anything. We're all laid up. I'm dying. My my daughter, my oldest daughter's dying. My wife's trying not, she's all stitched up from her surgery. She's trying not to catch this so that bad things don't happen. My father-in-law is all messed up and she's having the weekend of her life because she doesn't have to go outside. She's not forced to do anything. She didn't have to go to ballet Saturday. All she had to do was watch tablets and watch TV because we couldn't do anything. So she she didn't change her clothes. She was in pajamas. She had the best weekend of her young three-year-old life. Um, and, and so I, I found myself getting more and more bitter as the weekend was going Good. on. Like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. She's loving this. And meanwhile, yeah. I'm just trying to keep it together. You should throw out her favorite toy. <laughs> You're a, a hardcore parent, man. Gotta, they got to learn. If they don't learn by four, it's over. So you have a couple more months. I have no idea when her birthday is, but we'll say it's in a couple months. That's how long you have. Throw out her toy and make sure she sees it. Or set it on fire and let her make her watch it melt. Just send a message. That's send it. a damned message. Uh, 888-760-3776. 888-760-ESPN. Ken Levick alive. I am hoping, hoping, hoping I'll be in studio with Coquel uh, tomorrow. Oh, you're coming. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a definite. This is actually absolutely happening. Uh, Brian McLevin Rowitz is going to, uh, I suppose we can just call him our WWE insider now. Uh, he has no insight whatsoever. He just watches a lot of wrestling. He's going to come on around uh, uh, 10 to 1 to review WrestleMania from Raymond James Stadium. Uh, a tale of two nights, we'll put it that way. Um, but last night, I don't know how much of this you caught, Coquel, but Sunday Night Baseball was the Phillies and the Braves, and it was a Really, really entertaining game. 6-6 in the ninth inning. Uh, and the Phillies have a runner on third. Didi Gregorius hits a, uh, a, a looper out in the left. Marcelo Zuna fields it. Uh, and 
the Phillies' Alec Baum tags up at third. I mean, this is going to be a bang-bang play. It's not a long throw for Ozuna at all. Uh, and the ball makes it to Travis Diarnaud uh, probably three steps ahead of Baum. A nifty slide from Baum, though, where he stopped short of the plate, stepped over the glove of Diarnaud, uh, and then stepped towards the back side of the plate, and the umpire calls him safe. And so immediately the Braves start to protest. The Phillies take a 7-6 lead in the ninth, and they go to replay, and sure enough, Alec Baum, his cleat stops short of the plate, lifts it up. The back end of the plate turns out he missed it by not an inch, more like seven or eight inches, and... He got tagged in the process as well. And so, uh, of course, they go to replay because you absolutely, the Braves absolutely should be demanding replay there. The umpires missed the call. And I get it in real time. It's a mistake. And a couple of years ago, that wouldn't be reviewable. And you just say, hey, uh, human nature. But Major League Baseball rightly did. Uh, and made the decision that human nature doesn't have to play into major game-changing plays. Uh, And so they brought in replay. There's a reason for that, and this is the reason. So they go to the replay, they look at it, and you know, Coquel, when uh, whether it's the NFL or whether it's Major League Baseball, you can even throw hockey in there uh, or VAR in soccer. The longer that they look at replay, the worse and worse you feel about the right thing, the thing that your eyes are telling you happened, them actually not ruling it that way. Uh, you, you know, that happens to me all the time watching the NFL. Yeah. Like, the longer it goes, generally, the, the, most undesirable outcome is going to take they're place. Gonna, they're going to outsmart themselves by looking right. at it too many times. There, I truly believe there is a, such a thing as looking at something so much that you start seeing things that don't actually exist. And that is case in point what happened last night. The, the eyes and the ears in New York, they saw this place so many times that they screwed themselves over and in turn ended up screwing the Braves. There is nothing... There is not a single way that any human being with functioning vision, and I'm not talking 2020, I'm talking anybody that can even just see lights and shadows, that they look at Alex Baum's slide from last night and determine in any way, shape, or form that he made any contact with the plate whatsoever. He was out, he was out, and then he was more out, yet after replay, where he was called safe, Major League Baseball decided to stay with the call that he was safe. And because umpires don't have to make any comments justifying any decisions after the game, of course they didn't. And Major League Baseball's statement after the game was, uh, there was an indisputable, there's that term again, and I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. There was no indisputable evidence to overturn the call. Yes, there was! The indisputable evidence was his foot never touched the plate, and in fact, never came close to the plate, and he got tagged. There's your evidence that he was out. And so whether it goes back to last week, and it was different because it was a random Thursday afternoon, and it's the Mets and the Marlins, and uh, uh, Michael Conforto decides that he's not going to get out of the way of an off-speed pitch, and that's bad enough that the umpire missed that call in real time, but then you can't use replay for that. Like, why have replay if you can't use it for a situation like that? But fine, they don't want balls and strikes to be determined. Okay, this this is even more egregious because this was reviewable. They looked at it. 
They still blew it, and this happened on national television for absolutely everybody to see in Major League Baseball's most important broadcast of the week every single week. If I'm Major League Baseball, I'm asking myself a very important question today, and that is, if we have replay, and we refuse to and can't use it correctly, why do we even have it? This makes no sense to me that they continue to insult our intelligence, because this is not the first time something like this has happened, but continue to insult the fans' intelligence by looking at something and still making the wrong call. Yeah, it's infuriating. I don't. I almost want to get rid of replay altogether. There's. An, I'm over it. There's no reason for it. I think it's done nothing but ruin sports. It ruins I, it. It ruins it. It slows down every good ending is ruined because they stop the game and review. What Buzzer beaters, hold on, don't celebrate. Take a three-minute break, and then let's celebrate now. That whole emotion, all the raw feelings, ruined. And they're getting them wrong anyway, so why not just let the umpire make a mistake, and that's part of the game. Should we just outlaw replay? Uh, Get rid uh, of it. I I tend to fall on the side of the fence where I, I am pro-replay because I do want it to be called correctly. You make a valid point. Basketball is frustrating because you, as you're watching, in real time can tell that a player gets the shot off with like eight-tenths of a second left. Well before the horn, well before the red light on the backboard, guy makes it. I mean, it happened at the end of Gonzaga and UCLA. It was clear, clear that Suggs got the shot off and made it, but still they had to go to the monitor, and you're right. It does take away a little bit of the, the, the drama, the explosive, sudden drama out of that because they have to go check the monitor just in case. But there is a benefit for it. But what I don't understand is the NFL, but more so Major League Baseball, and especially soccer, have made replay completely unpalatable because they have used it to a point of of unbelievable exactness that ruins the flow of, uh, of the game. They have put caveats and different rules about if something happens behind a play that can wipe out an entire play. Hockey does this with offside. Same thing with soccer. Um, they've made replay so complicated that you almost, despite the fact you want everything to be called right, you're ready to see it disappear, and yeah. it's weird because I want I want things to be black and white. Why? Though? I want it Why? To be the, Why do you either... want it to be right? What's be- the reasoning? Because think about all your sports memories: Hubert Davis getting fouled on a four point play against the Bulls that shouldn't have counted. Like these are things that if they had replayed, they'd say, "Up, oh, that wasn't a foul. That moment's ruined. You have Why no you childhood have to use memory." That one? Why because did you're you a Bulls fan and I'm a Knicks one? fan. That was a complete low bo- low blow on your spot uh, on your on your end. Like I don't understand why you would say something like that. But I I am pro replay. But I am starting to turn the way, and I never thought this would happen. The way you feel that it's almost better to just completely scrap the whole thing as opposed to what we're going through now. Is it a catch? Is it not a catch? Is it a touchdown? I just want to celebrate the big. Maybe it's because I'm older and. Doing this industry, maybe the fandom loses a little bit less. Where I just want to enjoy the emotions of it, and I don't really care who wins or loses as much. Well, it's turned into a give or take. Like, do I, I am going to have to rationalize? Do I am I going to get angrier at what ends up being a blown call after I see the replay on television, but the play stood, or am I going to get angrier at? The parsing replays that are ruining the flow of games and a lot of times are being misinterpreted and called wrong anyways. Like, what makes me more upset? And I'm starting to lean towards the actual official replay is making me more upset. Because this is not good enough. And last night, 
Major League Baseball, that sure as hell wasn't good enough. 888-760-3776, 888-760-ESPN. Ken Levicka Live is brought to you by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Have we seen the end of Victor Oladipo in a heat uniform in the snap of a finger? Hideki Matsuyama, he is your Masters champion, your unlikely winner at Augusta National yesterday. And WrestleMania. What stood out? What was bad? Brian McLovin Rowitz hangs out with us as well later on in this hour. He's Coquel. I'm Ken Lavica, and I'm live on ESPN 106.3. Ken Lavica Live. Best show in Palm Beach County that you can listen to between noon and one. I mean, really, there's no other show between noon and one that I would advise anyone listening to other than Ken Lavica Live featuring Coquel on ESPN 106.3. Oh, what a ringing endorsement. Appreciate that, Evan. By the way, you can listen to Evan commercial free 5 o'clock today. Uh, the home team is taking this Monday off. Just a quick note, Max Kellerman going to uh, be in for uh, for Josh and Dean and Tina. Uh, but they'll be back tomorrow. Don't you worry here on ESPN 106.3, the free ESPN app, and on your smart speaker. Me, Ken Levicka, I am uh, I am at my uh, palatial uh, estate today trying to uh, fight off the final stages of just a horrific stomach pandemic that uh, that hit my home. But first things first, it uh, hit my uh, my wife's car on my drive home uh, Friday as I was making my way uh, from the office back home to start my weekend, a weekend that uh, came from the bowels and the depths of uh, of hell. Uh, Coquel, uh, he is in the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios here. Here's the number, 888-760-3776, 888-760-ESPN. Uh, what a win, Coquel, by the uh, the Heat last night. The Heat without Victor Oladipo, and we'll get to him in just a moment. They go to Portland and take down the Blazers 107-98. to uh, And for, for a Heat team that has been really inconsistent, that is the type of effort, like we saw last night, that still makes me think that the Heat can be an impossibly difficult out in the Eastern Conference. No matter what the Nets have, all the superstars, all the depth, the Heat, if they can get from a Kendrick Nunn like they got last night, who uh, on short notice comes in, puts in 15 points, Bam Adebayo, outstanding, dominant, 22 points, Jimmy Butler, 20 points as well, uh, leader on the floor. Uh, you know, these are the types of things that make me think the Heat, when they have a firm rotation and know exactly what the roles are going to be. And there's still time, come playoff time, you know they're going to defend like hell. Um, if they can get the the offense that continues to push and push and push and put pressure on defenses, Victor Oladipo or not, they're going to be really, really tricky for, for any team. But Victor Oladipo hurt himself on Thursday in the, uh, the the win over the Lakers without LeBron, without AD. Oladipo going up for a dunk, injured the right knee, that same surgically repaired right knee. Uh, and Coquel, it's always those non-contact injuries. This injury appeared to happen while either he planted on a jump stop and went up or while he was jumping for a dunk. Uh, and it's all those are always the ones that look like, oh, that's nothing that are always something and the the heater being very non-committal about the extent of the injury about the timetable about whether or not we're going to even see him this season but those injuries are always 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 the worst and I know you've seen a ton of them in your time coaching football yeah that's what worried me the most is that it looked like it happened going up not coming down 
So that tells you that yeah. there's something structurally just gave out and his leg almost separated from itself. And so uh, Ira Winderman of the Sun Sentinel reporting that it is now, and I, I, I suppose that this is common sense, but I think that it really drives it home when you actually see it written, that Victor Oladipo is not going to get a, uh, a max deal. He certainly was going to seek that out. But after this injury, and as injury-ridden as he has been, whether it's going back to the Pacers, uh, even with the Rockets, where he didn't play a single back-to-back all season before he got traded to the Heat, uh, he is Heat culture. It was a a really good move to bring Victor Oladipo in. If he is like 80%, he brings a a type of presence to the Heat lineup that is beneficial, especially especially from a defensive standpoint. He's going to get after it. But the Heat can't offer a max deal. No one's going to offer a max deal to Victor Oladipo now. And if Oladipo is out for the season, do the Heat just say, hey, thank you, we appreciate your love for the franchise. We appreciate the fact that uh, you have believed in heat culture, but we just we can't we can't sign you to a deal. We can't guarantee you anything. We can't offer you anything significant in free agency. I think they're going to get him back on the cheap. Is what's yeah, well, happen. that's that's what this is going to have to come down. If he is, if he does come back to the Heat, it's on the cheap, right? Like, it's it's definitely something, not what he's looking for, but what he's going to have to accept. Because where better to have that rebuild your, um, not just your career, but your perception of yourself than with the Heat in, in Miami under Riley, where once Riley and Spo vouch for you, now you're worth big money at that point, you know, for that one last hopeful contract for, for Oladipo. Well, this is where the loyalty comes in. This is where that comes into question. How much buy-in, and it sucks because I feel bad for him, but the onus is going to have to be on Oladipo now. The Heat now hold all of the cards. Oladipo is going to have to show how much buy-in he has to Heat culture. Is this a thing where he truly wants to be part of something that could win, something he believes in when it comes to process as opposed to actual Dollars, And that question is going to be presented to him, not because um, because now he has a choice, it's because now that's how it's absolutely going to be. How much buy-in does Victor Oladipo have into Heat culture? Uh, and that's going to be fascinating to play out. I think, Coquel, I think, I don't know the man, I don't know his people, based on what he said, based on uh, the fact that he has a close relationship with Dwayne Wade, I think he comes back to the heat on the cheap, but you never know. It's just an unenviable spot to be in if you're Victor Oladipo. But I also want to get into Peter King and his newest column this morning. uh, Football morning in America is what he calls it. He puts it out on Mondays. He went through... The quarterback moves of the offseason. So many NFL quarterback moves, and of course he touched on the Dolphins. So this is Peter King, this is verbatim from his column that came out today. Decision 12A, the Dolphins. Tua Tungavailoa staying, likely getting a solid shot in 2022 to be Miami's long-term quarterback. Decision 12B, Jacoby Brissett. The Dolphins' prime backup, and Brian Flores won't be shy about playing him if Tua struggles. I am so tired of what appears to be the expectation, and in some circles, and I'm not saying Peter King is doing it, but I think that local beat writers, especially the Dave Hydes of the world at the Sun Sentinel, especially the Joe Shads of the world at the Palm Beach Post, there has been 
rooting against Tua because there was a love for Ryan Fitzpatrick. There was an irrational love for Ryan Fitzpatrick, a player who is going to be, if he kept starting top 10 in the NFL, in interceptions. What about if there's just a reality check, Ken, that Tua wasn't very good and now you have one of the best backups, so it's good to have both. We have covered this. He was comparable in completion percentage, in Use your eyes, not numbers, nerd boy. Use your eyes. When you watched that last game, did you say, oh, wow, the analytics of this game look great? Or did you say, he can't throw the ball more than seven yards? He was clearly getting different plays called for him by Chan Gailey than Ryan Fitzpatrick was. You think Chan was. Gailey wants to lose? You fix your... No, you, you use your eyes, Coquel, because my eyes, and and I think, I, I would hope, a, the rational section of Dolphins fandom saw with their eyes that the play calling for Tua was so adversely conservative compared to what Ryan Fitzpatrick says who? Chan Gailey? Five-year-old Chan Gailey's rag arm. That's who. His rag arm. Are have you lost your mind? Did you see him in the second half of the Arizona game threading passes into triple coverage? The touch he was putting on that ball to win that game in probably in Arizona. Yet we're gonna sit here and give all the praise to Ryan Fitzpatrick in Vegas, who said a prayer, got lucky, and completed arguably the luckiest pass in the last twenty years in the NFL, uh, and collected the penalty that led to the game winning field goal come on there is you have it too you have it too there is a propensity to want to it to fail because you're sick and tired of hearing of him because he went to alabama because he's a feel-good story and because he's a good guy and because you yes i hate are petty because you are petty and because you're a jets fan and want nothing him to, to do with fail. that i was rooting for the dolphins down the stretch there's nothing to do with being a Jets. he wasn't good i'm not saying he's not going he to wasn't be good. good because he was not getting treated fairly he oh. was not getting the same so playbook you, you, you think he's the Coaches, the no. coaches wanted to lose, and like you know what? Let's throw, let's call some bad plays now. Come on, no, because the Dolphins went from a team that thought they were better than they actually were into thinking that they were going to go to the playoffs and make noise. And Brian Flores, and I, I am a big fan of Coach Flo, but he screwed up. He screwed up with this pulling of Tua late in games. I think it has adverse effects. Tua's a big boy; he can handle it. But it's not so much Tua; it's the outside that sees that and they latch onto it. They leech onto that and they say, "See, that's why you can't depend on." Tua, even though coming off of a major injury, nine games in, there is no way that any Wah. rational person you're being mean to no rational person makes any sort of of declaration or condemnation of a player. It is impossible. It is unfair. And Peter King just absolutely fell right into it again. It could have been that Jacoby Brissett is a great backup if Tua gets injured, but instead, it's if he struggles. And guess who made that bed? The media covering the Dolphins, the national media who loved to leech on, and, and, and Brian Flores himself. All right, how about this? Brissett's better than Tua, and Jack Daniels and Dwyer's better than Saban. Get over it. Don't suck up to Jack Daniels. You don't need to do that. He already has your number and texts you. You don't need to suck up to him. I'm just saying. He is a monstrously better high school coach I'm rooting for than the he local ever kid. will be. Rooting for the local kid. You can root for Tua and try to excuse away all his mistakes. I want Brissett to get a real shot. Use your eyes. I can't believe you told me to use your eyes when you're the football coach and you're the one who clearly saw, clearly saw that there was not the same playbook with Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Peter King, you're better than that. Chris Coquel, I know you're not better than that. 888-760-3776-888-760-ESPN. He's Coquel. I'm Ken Levicka. We review WrestleMania after this.
It's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Here's Ken and Coquel. My life be like... There are photos all over social media this morning of people who were at Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson Airport who ran into Hideki Matsuyama just hours after his historic Masters win yesterday. And the guy is flying commercial to Chicago and then connecting back to go to Japan. And he's got the Masters green jacket just draped over chairs in the terminal waiting to get on his flight. It's absolutely perfect. Hideki Matsuyama, the Masters champion yesterday. And, of course, you heard all the leaderboard updates throughout the weekend here on ESPN 106.3. I suppose that this next man is now our official WWE insider, who we won't talk to again about the WWE until, well, next WrestleMania. But uh, he... He watches it, so he's our insider. He's going to get in the Hall of Fame. He's going to get in the WWE Hall of Fame just based off our appearances. Uh, He's actually appeared on this show, which is now six days old, more than you have, Coquel. Brian McLovin Rowitz here with us on uh, on Ken Levick Alive. Uh, McLovin, uh, I was supposed to uh, take in night one of WrestleMania 37 with you, except uh, I never made it because I uh, spent the weekend uh, cleaning vomit and fecal matter uh, off of my kids and off of my furniture. So I hope you enjoyed the experience. Uh, Night one seemed like it was significantly better than, than night two. Is that pretty accurate? Oh, Coquel. Coquel, what happened there? Let's hope this is Brian. Hello? <laughs> Hello? Brian? I'm just hitting buttons. Oh, right. hey. Because uh, we had uh, the full board just started lighting up. Because oh, it's this place. No, 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 no. No, Coquel. Not this week. We are not blaming me for technical issues. Take nope. some responsibility, no, Coquel. sir. Uh, McLovin, I, I won't even go in with the lead-in that I previously had. Coquel uh, knows Ken how to work whining, now. He's sick. Yeah, he out of your house. Blah, blah, blah. His yeah. kids are throwing up. Blah. Tua, <laughs> Tua has a rag arm. You get it. All right, WrestleMania, what'd you think? Uh, it seemed like night one, McLovin, was, uh, was much better than night two. Is that pretty accurate? Uh, yes, that is very accurate. Night one is the most I've enjoyed a WWE show in years. Night two reminded me of why I don't watch on a regular basis when it comes to Raw and SmackDown. So I woke up to a uh, a text message. In fact, actually, the Levickas and the Rowitzes have like a family WhatsApp uh, messaging group. And so woke up to uh, McLovin texting the whole group, yo, Bad Bunny was awesome when I, uh, I woke up on Sunday morning. Uh, so... I know that there was the historic matchup with uh, with Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks in the main event on on Saturday, but Bad Bunny, I feel like, sort of stole the show. He was legit amazing on Saturday night. Oh, without that, there's always that one moment, and it usually didn't happen in the main event, but that one, and it's sort of, you know, cliche with him, that one WrestleMania moment, without a doubt, it was Bad Bunny. Like, Every part of it, it wasn't just the one move, which sometimes you see from a celebrity where they take a dive or, you know, Shaq hitting a powerbomb a few weeks ago on AEW. Like, oh, that's cool. Like, he was a legit wrestler. He hit a Canadian destroyer. Like, (laughs) he did most of the heavy lifting. He was really good. And, you know, sending that message, like, your wife's the one that started the discussion saying, hey, I want to see Bad Bunny. I was like, sure, we can watch that. But... He was amazing, without a doubt, the star of the weekend. Yes, my uh, my Cuban wife is a huge fan of uh, of Bad Bunny, and uh, we did not get to see him actually uh, wrestle live, but I showed her the highlights. That Canadian Destroyer was badass. Um, and by the way, credit to John Morrison, who uh, was awesome in selling that. Uh, but what, a, what an awesome moment, and he got such a pop from that crowd uh, at Raymond James 2, Bad Bunny did. It was perfect. Uh, and then I do want to listen to what I think will go down as one of the most memorable moments in WrestleMania history, the hair whip 
from Bianca Belair. Uh, <laughs> even if you're not a wrestling fan, you're going to hear this. Even on radio, if you can't see it, you're going to hear it, and you're going to cringe, and you're going to feel it. Bianca Belair did this to Sasha Banks, hitting her with her hair in the midsection. Bianca Belair, if you don't know, has a long, long, long ponytail. It's her trademark, and she used it to whip Sasha Banks in the midsection in their main event on Saturday, and it sounded like this on Paramount Plus, the WWE WrestleMania broadcast. Banks lands on her feet, Bianca, and now again grabs the hair. Oh, my God! I mean, listen to that crack. Hocal, can we hear it one more time? Because that is absolutely brutal. Listen to that crack of the hair against the skin of Sasha Banks. And so they show uh, a huge, bloody, bleeding welt on Sasha Banks' side. I mean, that is absolutely one of the most unconventional, violent things I've ever seen in professional wrestling, McLovin. Yeah, and she's used it before, but saving it for a moment like that, that's the most violent it's ever looked. Also, get your streaming services right. It is Peacock, not Paramount+. Plus. Oh, but yes, like wow. that added to that moment. Hey, I'm part of the NBC family. <laughs> it was unbelievable to use your piece of hair like that. Like, it added to that match. That was the match of the weekend, and that moment added to that whole match. Uh, what didn't work this weekend? What was a complete dud that you thought, or at least had potential? I mean, everything else. I mean, the fact that, you know, Bray Wyatt is a guy that can be set on fire and recover from that, but a basic wrestling hold can keep him down for a few seconds. Little things like that. I know it's wrestling, but little things like that, they're sort of annoying and just a waste of time. Last night, like, I didn't feel like the show actually started until 9 o'clock because of some of the crap they opened with, but... Night one was awesome. I'm going to focus on the positive. I really enjoyed Saturday night. Hey, did um, Vince McMahon get a face replacement during the pandemic? <laughs> that, that was a rough look. There's, <laughs> he hasn't been on camera in a while, and everyone said it's because he doesn't want to look older. I think the doctor sort of failed him in that department because, yeah, seeing him on camera... Rough look for old Vinnie Mac. He's yeah, like a he, thousand years old, guys. I know, but at some point, just own the old, because that plastic surgery yes. makes him look completely unnatural. Like, the steroid, like his, his 90-year-old steroided out body is bad enough, and then you add in the new face. Whew, that is right. a nightmare. Like, he's like the real-life fiend. Like, if the fiend was a real person, like, it's getting close to what Vince McMahon looks like now. Uh, McLovin, thank you for the recap. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, see you guys. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, the Ken Levicka Live featuring Coquel podcast. Rate it, get it wherever you enjoy your podcast. We'll do it again tomorrow. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully my stomach is fully settled. My kids are no longer um, uh, gooey, and I can be back in office. Coquel, though, it seems like you're demanding that I come back in the studio tomorrow. Yeah, I need you here for uh, the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> He's Chris Coquel. I'm Ken Levicka. I'm live. We'll talk to you tomorrow on ESPN 106.3.